book of Jude, please, if you will. And we have been, uh, I've used the passage, the springboard for this um, has been in Matthew 5, 13 and 14, where the Lord said that ye are the salt of the earth and ye are the light of the world. And uh, we talked about salt, and there's about, some of you that haven't been here, um, there's about 14,000 different uses for salt to this day, 14,000. Now, you know, I don't think he expects us to be used in 14,000 different ways, but, uh, but some things that, are, that we do know about is that salt uh, is a preservative, right? And that salt can be actually used as a preventative, and, and, uh, and that a little bit of salt goes a long way if it hasn't lost its potential, if it hasn't lost its power. And, uh, and so salt keeps things from going bad and keeps bad things from getting worse. And the Lord said that's to be our role in this world during, during the time of our life and over that, over our lifespan, that we're to be salt and we're to be light. And light represents the practices that we have, showing the way and leading the way and being a light in a dark place. And there's more than one reference to that. Even in the New Testament, in the book of Philippians, we're, we're, to be, we're to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, world. And so, um, and not to be like other, other persons and the like. And so that, that led me then to the, the, the passages there in the, in the book of Jude where you, have your, where you find yourself now. And last, the, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this, this challenge that Jude puts before his readers, and it's found there in verse 3. Notice what he said. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That we are to contend for the faith. We're in a struggle. In other words, and as I said last time, that many of the books of the New Testament were written so as to correct errors that had begun to make their way into the church, like the book of Galatians. That's where the Judaizers came along. How many of y'all have heard that name before? I know some of you have. The Judaizers, they were the ones that said it wasn't enough to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition to that, you have to keep the law of Moses. And so they were having to keep the rites and ceremonies that, that the Jewish tradition under the Old Testament economy, they were trying to move that into the New Testament. And that's where, that's where in Acts chapter 15, they have a council meeting in Jerusalem, and the pillars of the assembly are there and so forth, and finally they break it down, and you know, and Peter stands up and says, basically, no, hey, we know that the, that the hearts of the Gentiles were purified just like our hearts by faith. And they settled it once and for all. And so we're saved by grace through faith. Amen. And, uh, and we don't, there's no part of works. And so Galatians was written to correct that error because as, as, as Paul was preaching and teaching and going through his missionary journeys, they would come in behind him and try to, if you will, to corrupt what was going on. And so books like that were written. First and second Corinthians were written to correct errors, if you will, that were taking place in the church in Corinth. So a lot of what the New Testament was, was written for its purpose was to stop error. And beloved, there's nothing new under the sun. We still live in times like this right now. And so let me ask you a question before we read any further in the in the book of Jude. Can you tell me what is a heretic? Do you know if you know what a heretic is? 
What's a it's not a heretic, all right? So what's a heretic? What is a heretic? Brother Mark? Okay, I, 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 I think in part, I think, I think much of what you said is correct. Go with me to the book of Titus. Keep your place in Jude, we're going to come back to it, but go to the book of Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. First and second Timothy and then comes Titus. So turn left from where you are. A, a heretic... Uh, a heretic is someone who, who I, maybe I'm giving my opinion here, but a heretic, I believe, is someone who who still may hold to the tenets of uh, of salvation by grace through faith, but they are they are taking something else and they're adding a private interpretation to something. It's a truth that is there that's out of balance, and now suddenly that becomes the main thing in their life. And, uh, and so they do lead other people astray, you know. And so there were people there who, who it, uh, that the writer of Hebrews said that whose faith had been overthrown. Because, I, I, you know, I, I know some people, they hold to the truth. They believe that they're saved by grace through faith. But I couldn't get up, I, I wouldn't want them to preach. And I couldn't get up and teach anything on some of the things that they have taught. Because it's, it's just, it's nonsense. And, uh, and so I have a hard time embracing some of those things and I suspect there are degrees to this brother but uh but but it's different than someone who is a part of a cult well I asked you to go to Titus look look notice what this says it says in verse 10 a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject what are they doing to that person what have they been trying to do at least twice correcting so he's someone that has potential Someone who might be acquainted with the truth, but he's got this little thing. Eh, he's a little over the edge on this, and so they're trying. They're trying to work with him to get him to come back. Apollos, do you remember Apollos in the New Testament? All he knew was the baptism of John, and he was very eloquent. He's mentioned in the book of First Corinthians. Some people really liked him because of how well he could speak. But all he knew was that baptism of repentance that John had been preaching. Then Aquila and Priscilla come along, and what do they do? They try to help him here. And he doesn't reject it. Man, he gets, he gets the more perfect way, and buddy, he presses on with truth. All right? And so uh, had he rejected that, they tried to get, he might be considered a heretic at that point because he wasn't giving, he wasn't giving sound doctrine, if you will, at that point. And so, so... Uh, a heretic is someone who has a truth that's out of balance and they try to correct him, they try to help him, but he rejects the help and he continues on, if you will, and I think embracing a private interpretation of some sort of scripture in, in some fashion or form. And uh, and then, and then so, so what about, what about a cultist? What about a cultist? What is a cult? What, what is it? I'm sorry, brother. Could be, or idea. or idea. All right, and who who might that one person be? Right. Well, here it is. So we're not a cult. Okay. Now, some people may think of us as a cult, but we're not a cult. All right, because we believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go go with me to Second John. You're there in Hebrew. Or you're there in Titus, and go with me to Second John. 
You got First John, then Second John. Of course, you knew that, didn't you? All right, Second John, and uh, and notice what this says. <clears throat> uh, look, look in Second John, and uh, look in verse seven. It says, "For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist." Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If any, if there, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's feet. For he that biddeth him God's speed is a partaker of his evil deeds. So this would be some of this is Jehovah's Witness. They don't ascribe to the Lord Jesus Christ that he's the only begotten Son of God. They think that he is a God instead of instead of the God, if you will, all right? And so a, a, a cult by by its by definition is someone who or or that organization or system of belief that denies that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And, uh, and clearly, First John talks about if you want to honor the Father, then you're going to do that by honoring the Son. And if you don't do that, you're going to be in trouble. But an apostate, now that's what we're discussing here in the book of Jude, so you can go back there. You know, but the Bible mentions these categories of people, if you will, not necessarily always by their name, but by the things that they do, the teachings that they hold to, like the cult or like the heretic and the like, all right? And then there is the occult, Right? And those are the curious arts. Those are the demonic worshipers, if you will. Spiritism and the like that we have in the world today. Voodooism, spiritism. They, they're part of that animistic, that's a 25 cent word, that believe, they believe that there's a spirit world. And, uh, and so that's why some of them, they worship the creature more than the creator. And so they fall into that category. And so here, in the book of Jude, we're asked you to go back to uh, the, the writer Jude here is dealing with apostates. These are apostates. These are people who have been introduced to the truth and then they fall away and they fall into the, into different categories, if you will, or, or I should say their, their characteristics and their traits are several and he outlines them for us here. We're going to see how this is practical for us in just a minute. So i got to give you this information if I can, so just bear with me. It's a little technical, but, but, bear, but bear with me about it. He warns them here. <clears throat> like those folks who believe not and those angels who kept not, so these apostates, they're all going to be judged and God is going to do that. He's going to judge these folks for what they have done and what they have introduced into the church. But they are much like, they are much like, if you will, the tares that grow up right alongside of the wheat. Now, what is a tear? Well, it resembles wheat, but it produces no, no fruit, no, no grain, all right? <coughs> Pardon me. And so the wheats and tares, they kind of, there's kind of like the folks that, some that play church and some who are really possessors of new life and others that are just professors of life. But there's never any fruit in their life, okay, of salvation. And so here he describes... He describes these folks. And so look with me in verse 8. He, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and so forth. All these angels that left their first estate in the strange flesh and the like. 
that that was going that was taking place. And so he is says here in verse eight. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Meaning that that these men, their minds are corrupt. They are filthy dreamers, and their morals are messed up. And uh, that's why in the first part, these men that have crept in unawares, look in verse 4, they have crept in unawares and, and who have turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so so they're moral. They have no moral unrestraint. Lasciviousness is a is an immoral or, or immoral unrestraint. And that's how they're living. And that's how they're practicing, if you will, quote, their their brand of, of Christianity or, or, or with subtlety and uh, and they they lead people and and if you will they they uh, confuse people and, and next thing you know then they have a following and so forth and so here Jude is writing and he's doing this to warn these believers that they themselves might be insulated against this kind of deception and that's why we talked about do you know what do you know about your Bible you know could someone come along and then try to convince you. That the New American Standard is the, is really the book, or, or do you know what, what your stance is on the Bible? We talked about that the first night, and then we talked about doctrine last week. How important sound doctrine is. <coughs> Excuse me, and how often that phrase or those words are mentioned <coughs> in the New Testament, particularly in First and Second Timothy and Titus. And why do you suppose it's that way? Because they want the preacher, they want the they want the leader, if you will, of that assembly to be certain about what he's preaching and what he's teaching. He needs to know. That way, if we if we have someone that were to want to come in or whatever, that he might, Brother Roger or I, we might be able to ask them some questions. And typically, you know, we do a little research. We 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 check some things out before we uh, just let anybody come into the pulpit or experiment on our people or you know. We're not like the church in Corinth where everybody had a psalm, everybody had interpretation, everybody had a song. You know, they all want to do their little old thing and somebody wanted to speak in tongues and the like. And God is not the author of confusion, beloved. He is not. And so and so here he's writing, if you will, to, to, to expose the characteristics and traits of these people. So they've got problem with their minds, they've got problem with their morals, and if you will, they, notice what it says, and they despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. They've got trouble with their mouth. They don't care who they touch, if you will, with their words and their tongue about how they feel about maybe about, about people in authority or leadership. They're, they're what the Bible would call in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, it's the man with the froward mouth. Maybe they're a scorner because they have trouble with authority. And, uh, and you, have, you have a wide array of people that when they come to the house of God, I mean, people come, we have visitors come, every, you know, they come with different spirits, they come with different problems, different hurts, and all that affects the temperature and the spirit of the church in that particular meeting. It all has an effect on that because the Holy Ghost is the most sensitive person in the building tonight. And, uh, and so these things are important that we not be if you will, as as Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, that we would be no more children tossed to and fro about by every what? 
every wind of doctrine. <coughs> Excuse me. So the Lord has given us pastors and teachers and so forth to help us along the way for the body to be edified, that you might be strengthened, that you would know what you believe and why you believe it. And you wouldn't have to walk around well, well, let me give you, you know, with Brother Roger's phone number in your pocket so you can give it to every person that asks you a question. Well, here you can call my pastor and find out. Here you can call him. And no, that's why God put you out there, amen? <clears throat> that's why, That's why. you know, we sang that song. He wants you to come out of the wilderness and be that witness. That's the part of the practical side of this. And so, <clears throat> and so even their methods, look in verse 11. Look at their methods. All right, it says, Woe unto them, for they've gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Bless your heart, brother. Thank you. <clears throat> that coffee might have messed me up. I already spilled it on myself on the way over. <laughs> ah, thank you. And so, and so, uh, so notice what happened. Woe unto them, for they've gone the way, of, the way of Cain. What did Cain do wrong? What did Cain do wrong? Well, he murdered his brother, but what did, he, what did he do wrong before that? The reason why he murdered his brother. He substituted what, brother? He substituted his way for the right way, right? He brought an offering of the ground, which had been cursed. What did Abel bring? He brought a lamb. He brought a sheep. He brought the thing that, you know, God said, I want a blood sacrifice, if you will. And Abel brought that. And God had respect unto that. But unto, unto Cain's, he did not. And so, man, Cain, you know, kills his brother, and so forth. And so, and so, here they've gone in the way of Cain. So this is kind of a work salvation. Their methods, part of what they teach is a works, or if you will, gone after the error of Balaam. What did Balaam do? <clears throat> what was Balaam's problem? He was a prophet, a seer, or whatever. What did he do? That 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 heathen king wanted him to curse Israel, right? He was sort of like the he was sort of like the king, this heathen king's personal priest, for lack of a better word. All right, and what did he do? And so and so he, every time he tried to curse Israel, a blessing came out. And he said, "Man, I can't really curse something that God has blessed." And so he got to thinking about it a little more. I guess he wanted to keep his job and keep his head. Maybe I don't know. But for money, he said, hey, I can figure this out. We can get some girls. We can, we can corrupt these guys. And so he was willing to do that. He was willing, he was willing to, <clears throat> to so try to infect the, the, the nation by doing this, by, by, if you will, an area of weakness or their morals and the like. And he promoted that. I mean, man, that is despicable. It is despicable. And he did it for money. And, uh, and you know, <clears throat> one of the reasons why, part of the reason why God put a burden on my heart for a lot of the black churches that I visited when, I, when Debbie and I were missionaries to black Americans, because usually that pastor had more than one woman in each church, in addition to his wife. And he would pastor four, sometimes more than that, that many churches in a month. And I mean, he, uh, it was terrible. You know, and that's all they had to choose from. You know, and so so it was a bad deal. And so, I mean, so again, there's nothing new under the sun. This stuff goes on. And then lastly, you know, the gainsaying of Korah. Man, they just can't stand anybody in authority. 
And so this was this was their methodology. They would be they would be like Absalom outside the gates of Jerusalem. He'd be out there, and the guys would be coming up, and he, there he was with his pretty long hair, and he'd be out there, and they'd come up and say, "Hey, hey, Lewis, how are you doing? What's going on, man? Looks like you got a long face today. Trouble with transmission, or, or well, man, you know if I were king, man, I could fix that for you. My dad's not helping you with that. Man, if I were king, I'd be doing that. What was he doing? He was stealing the hearts of the men." That's what, that's what that's what they were doing. <clears throat> because he was trying to, with subtlety, he was trying to steal those hearts of those men, and sure enough, it happened. And they began to follow him and the like. And so these kind of practices, these kind of practices, their methodologies and so forth. And then and then look at look in verse 19, look at look at their means. It says, if you will, but ye, verse 19 says, These be they who separate themselves. Sensual, having not the spirit. So these people, they use psychology to try to manipulate their people. It's not the spirit of God that blesses their teaching or preaching. It's some sort of psychobabble, if you will, that they use to manipulate the minds of men. Business and industries have been using this stuff for years and years and years. Why do you think the milk is on one end of the store and the bread is on the other? Because that's, those are the two things that most people come back for frequently. So they don't have the bread aisle right next to the milk because then that just confines you to one aspect, one little area of the store. And they don't put milk up front. That's in the back. They want you to walk through all that stuff. What are they counting on? You either being hungry or some sort of impulse buy. Yeah, what you see is what you want. You know that they even do that where they put the food on the shelves, where the groceries are on the shelves? The higher food cost items, the one that they want to push, they're right there in arm's reach because they know that people basically, I don't want to have to bend over to have to get that. I just want this one right here. Maybe they make the most money off of that on a salad bar. Do you know that they take the, all the expensive food cost items on a salad bar? When we could eat at salad bars. And uh, and they put those. Those are the furthest away from where your tray is. Why? Because those cost more money. And they don't want you to get that. So then people figure out, well, man, we'll put it on both sides. Well, then they put it in the middle. Anyway, it's just not It's just not right there up front for you. Because that costs them more. They're counting on that. And they use that psychology against us. Well, man, don't you know that there are manipulators? Have you ever heard a manipulator be preaching? I have. To me, they're handling the word of God deceitfully. And, uh, and so, so, so he outlines these things. And the challenge for us, and here's where I want you to see. Here, you know, we talk about be a contender. But, but here, you, you've got to be careful. That's the next point. It's taken me two Wednesdays and a half to get here, all right? You've got to be careful. What, be careful about what, Brother Ed? Do you know what a wise man does? According to the book of Proverbs, a wise man gives more attention to, to learning and to listening. When, when, when we come, when you come to the house of God, I hear Brother Roger, I don't say it very often. Maybe I should say it more often. I don't know. But I, but I, I hear Brother Roger from time to time. And he goes, now, now listen to me. What's trying to do? Just trying to shake that one rattle out of the tree so that, you know, but whatever... You, you know, your one eye, you might have one of them eyes that kind of goes over here or whatever. Maybe, you, maybe he noticed something that the gears weren't turning. Hey, listen to me now. Hey, come on, stay with me. Listen to me. Why? There's something important about to happen. 
There's something important that's going to be, something vital that you've got to have. So when you come to the house of God, beloved, our desire is for you to listen critically. Have you heard the term critical thinking? Don't they want our kids to learn to do that? I think you've got to take the devices away from them before they can do that critical thinking. <laughs> that, that, now that's my opinion. I don't have scripture for that necessarily. But uh, because those a lot of times fall into the category of amusement. And David said that he was mused. The word M-U-S-E means to think. And amusement part, A is a prefix, amuse. A is a prefix which means not or no. So if you go if you go to an amusement park, there's no thinking. They just want you to get on the ride and spend your money and then throw up your loan. Okay? All right? That's what, that's what an amusement is. No thinking. Put your brain in neutral. I've said this before. My dad didn't like me to whistle in the house. He wasn't superstitious about it. It didn't mean anything bad, but he said, hey, he said, Quit, get your mind engaged. Because to him, that just meant you just, you were just a looney tune. You were sort of just kind of brainless, just kind of freewheeling. And he was serious about that stuff. <clears throat> and so, so you got to be careful because, here, because here's the deal that you don't want to run into. Here, here's the thing that you don't want to have happen. We want you to listen critically. We want you to be I know sometimes your body is tired and the problems, there, there may have been something that happened today or you're anticipating that you didn't even mention it tonight. You couldn't mention it. Don't even want to think about it. And I get that. But we want you to be engaged when you come to the house of God. And, and when you listen to somebody or if you have a chance to attend a meeting, we want you to go there and listen critically without developing a critical spirit. There's a difference in those two things. Critical spirit walks in and goes, Gosh, this is where they have church on Wednesday? Man, I wonder how long it's been since that piano's been tuned. This is the guy that's going to teach? <laughs> or whatever. I mean, you know, and you, what do they do? Start, they, start, they start sort of, uh, they start analyzing every little old incidental thing and so forth. Well, that's not the way we do it where we're from, and blah, blah, blah. We don't sing two songs like that. They got these old hymn books. Man, they, there's nothing up on the wall. They don't, you know, they don't have a. They're not a car wash church, you know, stuff like that. And you'd be surprised what goes through people's minds. I mean, some of the objections that that a teacher or a preacher has to overcome is like, "What? Look how young he is. What does he know? Or what do you think he's going to teach me? I, since I already know it all, I mean, I, this guy couldn't possibly teach me anything. Did you hear how he said the word? He used the word ain't." <laughs> They judge your speech all the time. Do they not, brother? They do. And so instead of, in other words, instead of focusing on the things that matter. And so that's where, beloved, that's where you and I, we don't want to fall in the trap. We want you to listen critically. We want you to be engaged. We want you, and when you're someplace else or you hear somebody on the radio, if you're listening to preaching, that you, that you are not just letting it go in here without a filter. Yes, sir. So absolutely. I think the difference is, um, and I want them to have it. When you go to a place and either are looking to find fault, yes, well, that's a critical spirit. Amen. Or I'm looking for truth. Amen. All right, now that's critical thinking. Yes. I'm 
right. I put here in my notes, it, that, that, that critical spirit, it condemns on suspicion alone. It hunts for defects. Like, man, look at the pews. That was the last time they had these covered or whatever. That, that kind of stuff. And so you can't fall into that trap because, because the idea or the, these lessons about being salt and about being light and being a contender as a result does not mean for us to become contentious in what we're doing, but that we know what we believe and why we believe it, and we are eager for truth. We want, we want the Spirit of God to say, yes, that's the truth. And where, where that joy gets stirred up on the inside, bubbles up, and, you, and the amen, you get the Kate helpets, and the amen comes out. That's what we're looking for. And, uh, and, and so here as believers, they were going to have to continue on with some things. They had to be careful about that. Not falling into the trap of being... Look at verse 16. It says, These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. It's one of those things that I, I was talking about. Their their mouths, they have the hard speeches against, uh, you know, which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him being the Lord. But, but these are murmurers and complainers. And so God does not want us to be a complainer and a murmur and a whiner. Does not want that. He wants us to be insulated against those things. To be insulated against that. And so these, these are the same people. And, what? and their mouths, they speak great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. They say certain things. They drop certain names amongst certain people so they can be accepted. And they think, oh man, this guy might be somebody of some sort of stature or whatever because he knows brother so-and-so or he knows sister so-and-so or whatever. And so that's how that, that's how they sort of ply their craft, if you will, in order in order to get around the, the better circles. And uh, and you say, man, are there really people like that out there, brother Ed? I just go to work and I I come to church and I pay my bills. Yes, there are people like that out there, you know. And and a lot of them, man, they wind up on the radio and they have large followings and so forth. You know, uh, the 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 fire chief said. You know, when he found out that the family wanted me to do that, he said, I knew that, that Joel Osteen was not going to be available. Because <laughs> that's where they had been going to church. Yeah. And, and, but the fire chief said, well, I knew he, he wasn't going to be available, Brother Ed, so I was glad you did. You're going to do it. And uh, so my point is, is that, you know, the difference between these men and what we read about, about their problems, their minds and their moral and methods, the Lord Jesus was not like that whatsoever. When he spoke according to the book of Mark, in chapter 1, the scripture says that people marveled. If not, They didn't marvel, but they took note of the fact that he spoke as one having authority and not like a scribe. He just didn't quote stuff without giving the impact with it. He had that thus saith the Lord on it because it was the Lord that was saying it. And he had the Holy Ghost behind him that gave it that impact in their lives. And they detected that. When he spoke, he spoke with authority. But he also spoke with accuracy. When he would be preaching or teaching, he was giving them the truth. And he would refer to the Bible. You know, have, have you not read? Have you not? That's why, that's, why, that's why he didn't say to those uh, Pharisees that time when they wanted to know about marriage, he didn't say, haven't you been told? Haven't you been told that this is how a man and a woman are supposed to be? No, he said, haven't you read? Haven't you looked in your Bible? 
And so, uh, and that's where, in part, that verse that Brother Roger quoted last week in John chapter 7, verses 15 and 16, he that willeth to do his will shall know of the doctrine, whether or not what I'm teaching is of God or not. It it is the antidote, if you will. If there's a willingness, that's that's one of the laws of interpretation, if you will, one of the principles of interpretation. If you're willing to do what the scripture says, God is very willing to open it up to you for your understanding. But if he detects in you that you are not willing, you become like the scorner who seeks after wisdom and finds it not because he wants it on his terms. His terms may not be willing to do it. And so and so here we're learning or that, that the goal here is to, to insulate these people, to equip them that they can detect these things, not just with their eye, but if you will, but with the eye of the Spirit. That's what's going on. That's why sometimes I hear stuff... If I'm listening to something or if I, I, I'm watching a, a message or whatever, somebody's on YouTube and something, uh, boing, I get the boing in my brain. Man, that ain't right. That's not what the Bible says. And that's where you reading it and you feasting on it and you growing in it, it helps protect you, well, feed you to keep your spiritual health up. And so at the same time, in all these things, so they, they were to be careful, if you were, but they were also, let's let's finish this up. Notice what it says. Notice what it says here. He says, but verse 20, but ye, beloved, doing what? Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. In other words, that way you won't fall prey to one of these traps. That you'll be protected from that. Building yourself up. How do, how do you do that? We're talking about, we're not talking about weightlifting here. We're talking about spiritually. We're talking about your edification. It means by being faithful to the house of God. It means by being faithful to your own Bible and your prayer life. Engaging in these things. It means it means just in simple things talking to other people about, about what the Lord has done for you. It doesn't mean that you have to be a walking encyclopedia and you know all the the, the, all the transients and vicissitudes of the law and be able to do... No, no one expects that, but just some simple practical things because that, that's where one of the things that I, I've always loved about Brother Roger is, is that, 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 and I've encouraged, that, that we believe that the Bible, our Christianity, is practical in nature and not abstract, not just esoterical, just, just stuff, oh, like... Man, look at the star. You know, no, something down here on earth that's practical that helps me every day in my walk. To walk with God and enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and my and my Bible. And then be used of that, be able to use that to point somebody else. I mean, what 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 are we're just beggars trying to tell other beggars where we have found bread. That's all we're doing. And and, uh, and you know, and to stay out of the ditches in this life. And so, and so the challenge there, look at verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Part of this is why we are to add to our faith. You know, faith was just the beginning. The faith that we have, just the beginning. That's where Peter teaches us that we're to add to our faith, right? Virtue into virtue, knowledge into knowledge, you know, patience and and godliness and so forth, on down there, charity and brotherly love and kindness. We're to add to our faith. That's how we build ourselves up. That's how we keep ourselves healthy. 
I mean, it's just like it, it, just like when we eat. You know, if it's not in the soil, it's not going to be in the vegetable. It's not going to get on your plate, and it's not going to do your body as much good. That's why the processed food has lost whatever nutrients oftentimes it once had. So what do we do? We take some supplements. That's what those vitamins are and the like. We take those things to help keep our immune system up and to boost ourselves because a lot of times it's not found in the food that we eat. So this is something that we do in addition and so come into the house of God and, and uh, you know, you need some vitamin B, some Bible, you know. you got to have that. That's why we try to prepare and have a good meal when you come to the house of God. And, and you know, and, and not give you fast food. <laughs> you know, a, a black preacher told me once, he said, Brother Ed, he said, I, I, give them, I give them 20 minutes of what they need and five minutes of what they want. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, and, and I, I've heard of it like this. You know, sweet water and gravy is not going to make you grow as a person, as a believer. And so, and so what were they to practice? So they were to be careful about avoiding that hardness of that heart. And then the last thing is what? Look, it says, verse 22, be compassionate. Be a contender. Be careful about it, but be compassionate. It's easy when you look around just to get a hardened heart to become callous. And so here at the end, he said, And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Don't lose your compassion for people. Because it's easy to grow cynical in the world in which we live. When you look around, you say, Man, we can't trust this person. There's hypocrites there. I mean, you hear that when you're out talking to people. You know, they say, Well, they've got hypocrites in the church. I said, Well, they still got them. they got them at the grocery store, and you still go there. You know, doesn't keep you from buying groceries or, or other places. And so you're going to have them everywhere. But, but, my, but my point is, is that it's easy for us to lose that tenderness of heart. Keep reading the headlines. Keep watching the news. It can harden your heart. That's why the scripture says for us in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy in chapter 2, not, not to become entangled in the affairs of this life. Because it will keep you from pleasing him who's called us to be a soldier. To endure that hardness without becoming hard. You understand? And so to practice that compassion. And we've got to have that, beloved. And so I thank, I thank God for your faithfulness in these, these three weeks that you've come. And that, that you'll take these things when you come to the house of God. Boy, you'll be engaged. You know, that's, that's what Ecclesiastes said. That be more ready. You know, when your foot comes to the house of God, be more ready to hear the word of God when you come. And uh, be prayed up and be ready to go. And that way, when the when the Lord speaks to you, man, you won't miss it. You won't miss it because you're distracted or you're someplace else or you're thinking. Give God those that give give the Lord that power, if you will. Sunday school's coming up. I know, oh man, you're gonna you might want to practice on Saturday. Amen. <laughs> Get up. And do something an hour earlier so Sunday's not such a shock to your system. All right? And uh, and get up there and actually, you know, like get dressed and do something. Okay, all right. I made it today. One in a row. I'll be ready for tomorrow. All right? And, uh, and but, but be ready and don't say like, oh, my gosh, we forgot. All right? And so uh, be much in prayer for that. Come ready. Come ready to do that. You know, the, you know what that is, right? That's a spider on a on a no. That's a guy. You come in and do a mental push up. You know, be ready to go. 
be contenders, be careful, but Lord, be compassionate. You know, we, you know, the Lord is very broad in His love for people. Sometimes I look at them and I hear the things that go on, and I just think, man, that's just a bunch of human debris. And then the Lord reminds you, said, yeah, but that's people for whom Christ died, son. And I have to remember that God's very broad in his love, but he's very narrow in his doctrine. Very narrow, and it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for my church family, dear God, and I pray you'll bless them. I pray that they would be fed during the week. God, come with an appetite and be used of thee. Lord, in the day and hour in which we live, these are exciting times and opportunity, times of opportunity, Lord. Help us not to, not to overlook them or to waste them or be unprepared. In Jesus' name, amen.